I'll be taking my text this morning from Luke chapter 17, the latter part of Luke chapter 17, and then uh, chapter 18. If you'll stand with me for just a few more moments, if you're able. Certainly understand if you're not. Um, but Luke chapter 17, that latter few verses are there of that chapter, and then Luke chapter 18, the first few verses there as well. Amen. Amen. I will be honest with you this morning from the outset and let you know that my purpose here this morning is to call you to tenacious, hopeful, trusting prayer. That is my purpose here this morning is to call you to the kind of prayer that puts God to work. The kind of prayer that causes God to show His right hand of power. The kind of prayer that causes him, as the message translation says, to roll up his sleeves. Amen. This is my invitation. This is my purpose here this morning to call you. No matter what your spiritual state is in this building this morning, whether you feel like you're connected with God in a vibrant way and abiding with him as our pastor has been teaching us, or whether you feel like you are disconnected, from God this morning, I am calling all of us, I'm calling myself to that kind of prayer. I want to begin this morning just by pointing out verse number 8, and then I'll let you be seated. Verse number 8 of Luke chapter 18. Just the question there at the end of that verse that Jesus asks. It's a probing question and something that we must consider. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth? Is it really going to happen? God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. So this morning, I'll give you my title here at the very beginning. And it's simply this. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hold on, help is on the way. Why don't you look at somebody and tell them that. Hold on, help is on the way. Yeah, let them know that. Find somebody else on the other side. Say, hold on, help is on the way. Now, I want you to lock eyes with somebody across the building. Maybe it's 20 feet from you, 60 feet from you, 75 feet from you. And I want you to say it so they can hear it. Lock eyes with somebody now. Across the building, not beside you, but across the building, and I want you to declare to them, hold on, help is on the way. Hold on. Amen. It is. Help is on the way. Amen. Carolyn and I have been for 14 years now in our present location, our house, and we have been involved in what I will call this morning a yard war. A yard war. And I'll be happy to tell you that we were vindicated yesterday. I looked out my windows. I was studying for this message from the office, and I saw a man pull up on the opposite side of the street, get out of his car, and he had a sign in his hand. And I thought, well, somebody's selling their house because we've got a lot of, and probably your neighborhood is doing the same thing, right? People are starting to sell their houses fairly uh, quickly these days, and signs are going up. So I thought, well, somebody 
his uh, another neighbor is selling their house. That's great. Uh, but to my amazement, this guy started walking toward my yard. And then I'm thinking, did Carolyn list the house? <laughs> I was relieved when I saw the sign, because on the sign it said, Yard of the Month, Ward 1. <laughs> 14 years of fighting for that. Now, lest you think that we're fighting our neighbors for the Yard of the Month award, we are not. Now, I wish that some of my neighbors would challenge me. I promise you. <laughs> I do. It wouldn't be a tough battle considering the way some of them work in their yards. Now, I know that some of you, yard work is not your thing, but you know we have been fighting these adversaries in our yard. We've been fighting aphids. I don't know if you've ever fought aphids or not, but they will destroy and turn your crepe myrtle trees black with the stuff they put out. And we have fought aphids this year, and we've fought ants in our yard and ants in our potted plants. And did I mention that we've fought aphids? <laughs> we have fought aphids. Army worms. Two weeks ago, I, early on a Sunday morning, I was out in my yard with a pump-up sprayer spraying for army worms because I looked out in my yard and I told Karen, I said, I think we've got army worms because there's these very big dead spots in our yard. The army worms will eat your grass down to the roots, but they will leave the weeds alone. right past the Dallas grass, right past the other weeds in the yard. They left them untouched, but they destroyed our Bermuda grass. Destroyed it. We've been fighting, did I say aphids? <laughs> We've been fighting aphids. Time and time again, I've been spraying for those crazy things. Squash bugs in our garden. I don't know if you've ever dealt with squash bugs before, but I looked on our beautiful pumpkin plant and it had a few a little small decorative pumpkins on it. And to my dismay, there are squash bugs all over it. And so we had to, by hand, remove those squash bugs. And guess what we did with them? We squashed them. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we had aphids, by the way. We have fought. And grub worms. I don't know if you've ever fought grub worms in your yard, but if you are someone who treats your yard and you like a healthy lawn, guess what you're inviting into your yard? Grub worms. So we're fighting the battle of grub worms. And then when you invite grub worms into your yard, you invite another pesky little critter. Guess what that is? Moles. You're right. And so we're fighting moles now in our yard. And did I mention that we're fighting aphids? <laughs> aphids and more aphids. Wasps in our yard. During COVID last year, uh, I had had fever. Was, the fever had broken and uh, I was thinking, well, I need to get out and do a little something. I'm feeling a little stronger. So I stepped out in our front yard, noticed that one of our rose bushes was 
a little overgrown, so I went and got the clippers, and I been to whack away at the rose bush, just taking off a little bit, and out of the middle of that rose bush came this red devil that hit me right on the end of my nose. So a few days later, I got a call from the North Pole, wondering if I might be able to take Rudolph's place. That, was, that hurt. Did I mention that we've been fighting aphids? Oh, I did. I did mention that. Hornworms, all kinds of pests. Now, I know that some people think, well, uh, what are you making a big deal about your adversaries in the yard? Uh, well, if, if you think something is worth it, you'll pay the price. And Carolyn and I think a nice yard is worth it. So we pay the price. There's some people in this building this morning, you have much better yards than we do. They should have brought the sign to you yesterday. Because you know how to keep a good yard. I know the Moonings certainly have a great love for, for the yard and Zach and Lee. Some great yards represented in this building. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, Pastor Larry, I really don't care about yard work, so I wish you would move on. And I, I understand that. I understand that. But about 25 years ago, I was struggling with this rose bush, and I needed some advice. And so I was asking around friends who might be able to give me some advice, and they said, you need to talk to... I'll call him Fred. That's not his real name, but you need to talk to Fred. He, he is a master gardener, and he will help you out. He'll tell you what you need to do. And sure enough, he helped, helped me out with some advice on how to control the black spot, spots on my rose bush. But here's the thing about Fred. He lived in a, a high-rise on the 10th floor in a condo who had no yard, no rose bushes. He had no plants to take care of except some potted plants that his wife took care of inside the condo. But years ago, Steve fought the yard war, and finally he gave it up. He said, I'm, I'm done. He said, I, I'm, I'm finished with it. I'm tired of the fight. And that's okay. That's okay that he was tired of the fight. But I want to tell you, there are some things worth fighting for. You may not fight for your yard, but let me tell you this morning, there is a fight that you need to engage in. There is a war that you need to roll your sleeves up for and say, I am going to fight. I'm going to engage in. And that is the war for your soul and for the souls of your children and the souls of your grandchildren and the souls of your nieces and nephews and the souls of your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers and your city and your world. There is a, a, a call to persistent, tenacious, hopeful, trusting prayer that God is sending out to new life here this morning. We need to engage in the battle. Your adversary is at work and he will decimate your life if you will allow him. If you will not fight him, that doesn't mean that he's going to quit the fight. That just means you've lost because he will continue to fight you. He will continue to war you. You have an adversary and we need to not forget that we need to not 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 forget that we live in a culture right now that is fighting our faith a culture that is telling us 
that we have lost the battle as Christianity. Righteousness is being called evil and evil is being called righteousness. Once solid moorings in our society have been torn out and thrown away, that which used to hold us tight uh, is, is gone. There's only transitional tent pegs, if you will, and those are being moved and changed every few days and few moments. They're changing it. It's moving. There's nothing solid anymore, the world is telling us. But God is speaking to us as a church here this morning and he is telling us that we need to listen to and hear the call to persistent, tenacious, hopeful prayer. You know, not all of us can and are called to pastoring ministry. Not all of us are called to the music ministry. Not all of us are called to evangelism ministry or prophetic ministry. But I tell you what, all of us, as Jesus tells us in this parable, all of us are called to a prayer ministry. Every single one of us, no matter how young or how old, are called to a ministry in prayer. God is calling for some people in this building to up the ante, to get in the game, get in the war and fight for your families. Fight for yourself. In Luke chapter 17, the last 18 verses, Jesus is talking about the end time. He's talking about when the kingdom of God comes and the Son of Man uh, is enthroned upon his kingdom. In detail, he discusses the things that are happening. Jesus even says that the sovereign, talking about himself, the sovereign of this kingdom would be mistreated. The sovereign of this kingdom would be, dis- would be harmed and, and, and killed, brutally murdered. But he will rise again and his kingdom will come and he will be in glory and great, great magnificence. In the period of time just before Jesus' return, which is where we are right now, we're in that period of time just before Jesus returns. Jesus likens it to the days of Noah. He likens it to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. People will be carrying on life just as usual, business as usual, not worried about about the future, not worried about their souls. But God in, in those kinds of times always makes a way of escape for the righteous people, those who will call upon him. In Noah's day, it was the ark. In Lot's day, it was Abraham, the interceder, who called upon God to save Lot and his family. And God is calling us to that kind of ministry here this morning. People who may think, oh, I can't be an intercessor. God is calling you to the spirit and the ministry of intercession. You may not be, ever be a pastor, but you can be, and God is calling to you to, and you should be an intercessor, a prayer. It doesn't take special guilt gifting, and it is, to me, the greatest calling of all. It is the greatest calling of all. And we answered the call to prayer. It is on the backdrop of all that, those problems, those issues in Luke chapter 17, the coming of the Son of Man, days of Noah, days of Lot, that Jesus gives us two parables in Luke chapter 18. The first parable is the parable of the persistent widow. The second parable is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And in these two parables, Jesus summarizes what are the most hard-fought battles when it comes to prayer. First of all, persistence, tenacity. 
It's hard to keep it up. Someone asked me uh, several weeks ago, why is it so hard for me to keep a solid prayer life? And I said, I had to say, well, you know, look, here's the, it's the most important thing. And because of that, the devil is going to fight you at every turn. Just know that. You're going to get interference. Come on, this is, this is the most important thing. You may not care about your yard, and that's okay, but you need to care about your soul, and you need to care about the souls of others. This is the call. We're going to get a, fi a fight from our enemy, our adversary. But New Life Church is going to stand up to the call. We're going to take the challenge. We're going to say, Satan, you're not going to win this war. Satan, you're not going to take my family. Anybody in the building, you're feeling it rise up in you. You're saying, you're not going to take my family, devil. I'm going to pray. You're not going to take my family. I'm going to call out on God. I'm going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to be a man of prayer. So in Luke chapter 18, I want you to turn there, if you will. And I know that I'm 15 minutes into this message, but I promise you, uh, we will not be long here this morning. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. I want you to read this together with me. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying that there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. So here we have this city, and in this city there is this unjust judge. There is a widow, and then there is the widow's adversary. And the judge, verse number four, and the judge would not for a while, but afterwards... He said to himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. What did the unjust judge say? He said, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. The Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Have you heard what the unjust judge said? Have we heard it in this building this morning? Have we let it hit our hearts and our minds? And help us understand, what did the unjust judge say? This woman is going to wear me out unless I give her what she wants. She's going to keep coming to me. Verse number 7, And, and shall God not avenge? Jesus' first question. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Don't you know? Jesus is saying God is going to avenge us. He's, he hears our prayers, though he bears long with us. Oh, no, we don't, we don't like that, do we? We don't like the bearing long. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that question we asked earlier, will he really 
find faith on the earth. So it is from verses 7 and 8 that I draw the title that I mentioned to you. I'd like to put it this way. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hold on. Help is on the way. Look at somebody and say, hold on. Help is on the way. It may be midnight or it may be midday, but he's never early and he's never late. He's going to stand by what he claims, right? Help is on the way. Hold on. Don't quit praying. Hold on. Help is on the way. And so I have to ask myself, how do I have that kind of faith that Jesus talked about? How do I have the kind of faith that keeps me praying when I don't feel like praying? When it, that keeps me praying when the situation doesn't seem to merit it? How do I keep, have that kind of faith that keeps me from losing heart, from giving up? How is it that someone can be found when Jesus comes back Full of faith in our culture. Full of faith. I believe the answer to Jesus' question is yes. Yes, there will be people who will be found full of faith. Yes, there will be people in Cabot. Yes, there will be members of New Life Church who will be found faithful in prayer because God is calling us to prayer this morning. And we're going to answer that call. There are praying people already in this building. But there are people who know they need to hear the call of Jesus this morning. And they need to pray. So first of all, we need to have the tenacious kind of faith that says, I'm going to keep praying. I'm just going to keep praying. I'm not going to quit. He may not come when I want him. It may not happen when I'd like for it to. But I know this. At some point, God's going to move. God's going to work. I know this because this, this is His nature. He's going to move in my life and I am going to keep on praying. This is what the widow demonstrates to us and Jesus said, we've got to hear. She kept going back. She didn't quit. The judge says to the clerk of court, what's on the docket today? Uh, well, we've got these two guys uh, battling over a property line we need to deal with. We've got this situation where the bull broke the fence and the owner of the bull doesn't want to pay for it. We've got to deal with that. And, oh, yes, there's the widow. Oh, no, not that widow. Yes, that, that widow. She's back. So he looks at her when she comes into his courtroom and says, does it even entertain her issue? She, he slams the gavel and says, dismissed, and out she goes. 5 a.m. the next morning, her alarm goes off. She opens her eyes and sees the sun poking its face over the horizon. And she doesn't say, oh no, another day. I've got to go to the judge again. I've got to go to him again. This, this obligation is killing me. No, she doesn't think that. She doesn't say that. What does she say? Another day, another opportunity to get in front of the judge. Perhaps today he will hear my plea. Perhaps today he will answer me. Perhaps today he will vindicate me. And yet sometimes when we're praying to God Almighty, we can't be a little bit persistent. We pray one time and God says, God doesn't answer us. And so we say, oh, God doesn't matter. But I'm calling you this morning. 
morning to my persistent, tenacious prayer that says, I'm not going to quit. I'm not gonna quit. You're gonna see me here again, judge. You're gonna see me here again. I'll get up tomorrow morning and I'll be here. I'll be here, judge. I'll be, I'll be on your docket again. I'll be on your docket again. I'm gonna keep on coming. I'm going to keep on praying. This is the kind of prayer life all of us can have. This is not a special prayer life for a few special people. This is the kind of prayer life God is calling every single person sitting on these chairs this morning. Every single person sitting on these chairs this morning. A tenacious prayer that says, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on praying. When God's silent, I'm going to keep on praying. When it doesn't do what I want Him to do, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to come to Him when I'm sick. I'm going to come to Him when, when I need help with wisdom. I'm going to come to Him when my family needs relational problems. I'm going to come to Him. I'm going to keep on praying because Jesus has called me to prayer. Hear what the unjust judge said. The widow just kept showing up. She just kept showing up. And this is all the widow had. This is all she had was her tenacity. That's all she had. She didn't have any family representing her. She didn't have a legal team representing her. She certainly didn't have the favor of the judge. What she had was her tenacity. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us, us, first of all, in this parable. You have got to be tenacious. Don't give up at the first sign of trouble. Don't give up at the first sign that God's not answered your prayer when and how you wanted Him to answer it. Keep praying. Hear what the unjust judge said. The second thing we notice in this parable is that not only do we need a tenacious faith that keeps on praying, but we need a hopeful faith that knows God cares. This is what the enemy of our soul wants us to believe, that God doesn't care. He's not concerned. We've got all kinds of philosophies and doctrines that have grown out of that idea that just because God didn't answer when we wanted Him to or how we wanted Him to, that He didn't care. And here's a truth God cares. Peter tells us, us this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. Cast all your care on Him because He cares for you. Don't you know He cares for you and He wants to work in your life. But we've got an adversary who walks around like a roaring lion seeking who He may devour. He will devour your faith if you will allow Him to. But I'm telling you what, if you will stand up, oh, somebody needs to stand up this morning. You need to say, I'm not going to let the devil take my faith. I'm not going to let him steal my family. I'm not going to let him keep me from praying. I'm going to keep praying. Oh, come on, let the spirit of tenacity get upon you. Let the spirit of hope rise up in your heart this morning. God wants to call us to hopeful prayer, hopeful prayer, hopeful prayer that says, I believe God cares. I don't, I don't believe the witness of the devil. You see, the devil, he doesn't even want us to believe what he believes. He believes in one God and trembles. But he doesn't want us to believe that. He's trying to keep us from believing what he himself believes. That there is a God and he does care and he will work. 
And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night? Oh, he bears long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Speedily. And thirdly, as I bring this to a conclusion here this morning, we need to not only have a tenacious faith that keeps praying, but we need to have and, and a hopeful faith that knows that God cares, but we need to have a trusting faith that knows He is at work. Knows that. That's convinced of it. God is at work. God's moving. For the beginning of time, we see God in activity. He's moving upon the face of the deep. It doesn't stop all throughout the Scriptures. We see God moving even when I don't see it. You're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Oh, you never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. Come on, somebody. Get that in your spirit. Even when I don't see it, Lord, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Lord, you never stop. You never stop working. God is at work in your situation. He is moving. He is hearing your prayer. And don't let his silence or what seems like his inactivity make you think he is not hearing you and working on your behalf. He will. He will avenge you of your adversary. He will help you. He will work in your life. I'm going to keep praying because I trust the one to whom I am praying to. I trust him. I trust him. I don't have to control him. That's sometimes what we want. We want a genie that does what we want. I don't want that kind of God, and you really don't either. You don't want that kind of God. You want a God that's sovereign. You want a God that's all wise, a God that knows what he's doing. That's the kind of God you want. You don't want a God you can control. Oh, God, if I could comprehend God, if I could control Him, He would not be a very big God at all. But because I can't comprehend Him and I can't control Him, that means He is a great God, a mighty God, a God who can work in my situation. And I will have a trusting faith that says, Lord, I know. I know you're at work. Even when I don't see it, I know you're at work. I know you're at work. Amen. You need to whisper that to yourself right now and to the Lord. Lord, I know. I know you're at work. I know, I, I know, I know it. I'm convinced of it. Oh, let that be the prayer on your lips. God, I know. I know you're at work. The devil has been trying to tell you God doesn't care and that God's not at work. But I've come to declare to you that he is at work and he does care. And he will in good time avenge you of your adversary. I like what Isaiah said in Isaiah 52.10. He said, the Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord. There's nations thumbing their nose, leaders of nations thumbing their nose at God right now. But God is going to at some point bear his mighty arm 
His holy arm of power. I like what the message version says here. He says, the Lord has rolled up His sleeve. He's rolled up His sleeve. The psalmist in Psalm 98 echoes this same sentiment. In Psalm 98, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained Him the victory. And again, the message version translates it this way. He has rolled up His sleeve. I don't know what you think when, when a man or a woman takes off a coat or they start rolling up their sleeve. It means, it means they're ready to get to work. It means they're not going to take it anymore. And in your situation, in your situation, I promise you, hold on. Help is on the way. Come on, hold on. Help He's on the way. Don't you believe that just because He doesn't seem to be working, that He's not. And just because He's silent, that He's not hearing you pray. He is going to roll up His sleeve. And He is going to work in your situation. Hear what the unjust judge said. The tenacity of that woman is what got her what she needed. And we don't have a judge who doesn't care. We don't. We have a Father who loves us. So I want you to stand with me this morning. And let's ponder again as we close the question Jesus asked. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when He returns? Only you can answer that for yourself. But I I tell you right now, as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We're not going to let the situations of life make us think that God doesn't care. And we're not going to make them think that He's not at work because we know He is. Here's what I want to do. I, I know that there's some people in this building, your fingers have almost slipped. They've almost slipped. And you've said to yourself, is darkness going to win? That's what you've been saying to yourself. Is darkness going to win? It seems like darkness is going to win. I just want to call you to the front of this building. There's nothing spiritual about the front of this building. But there's some people who need to grab a hold of some hope right now. You need, and, and, and not, there's nothing spiritual about you coming to the front. But there is something very spiritual about you making a move toward God. And so let that signify it. If you have almost lost hope, or you need just a fresh infusion of hope. Now I'm not going to call the whole church to the front this morning, but I want some individuals who you say, that's me. I've, I've got to get a fresh hope. I've got to trust God a little better. I've got to learn to be more tenacious i got to keep holding on. Come on, right now. Come on, come to the front of this building right now. <clears throat> come on, right now. If you need fresh hope. And church, we're going to turn the rest of this building into a prayer room right now. Come on, intercessors. Where you're standing. Where you're standing right now, intercessors, begin to pray. Come on, in the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on right now. Pray, 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 pray. Church, let's pray all across this building. Let's pray. Don't stand there. Just pray. Come on, lift your hands all across this building. Let's engage in prayer right now in the name of Jesus. 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 Oh God, save my family. Save my family, oh God. Oh Lord, stir me up. Stir me up. My neighbors need you, Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God.